0: Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. And we are live. Hey guys, this is Ruben Dua from Dub's podcast, Connection Loop. And I am on with Ravi now. Ravi has has just delighted the heck out of me on LinkedIn because I absolutely adore his content, and I've read a lot about his journey and his career. And he's gone through a lot of changes, a lot of upgrades, just like all of us. And what I want to talk about with him is this idea of of confidence and just kind of breaking through to get to the next level. So, Ravi, if you could please just give us a short bio, and then let's get into it. Yeah, man, let's do it. So, as you
1: said, my name is Ravi Rajani. And what I do is, is I help leaders and entrepreneurs become confident speakers. So, yeah, the topic of the day is good, man. We're we're in the we're in the right room to have this conversation.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, and what? How did you get here? What What was your process, career wise?
1: It's, it's funny. It's funny, man, because I didn't actually get my start as a professional speaker or having given one of those TED talks that went viral for me. I actually got my start when I was a kid around must have been seven, eight years old in dance. And by the way, not the cool type, like not the one you want to show off to with your friends about when you're an eight year old dude. So I quit, must have been around ten or eleven. And then later on, I stumbled into acting in theatre as a teen. And, and what, what kind of cool. dance,
0: what kind of dance were you into?
1: I was in modern. Nice. I was in, My sister was in ballet and modern. My mom was like, "Yeah, let's put Rav in modern." And uh, yeah, <laughs> so that's
0: that's. Is that like more like jazz or R and B or hip hop? What what does that mean?
1: Like that would be the cool. That if I were to lie to you and say yeah, it would be those things. That would make it sound cool. Like <laughs> I, I can't. I can't even explain it. It was like these little slip-on shoes, like walking around, you know, like this, (laughs) I don't even know how to explain it. (laughs)
0: It
1: weren't cool, dude, it weren't cool, you just thought from what I did. But then as I was growing up, in my uh, late teens and early twenties, people would say, "Rav, have you ever thought about taking this career on stage, speaking media seriously? And as a classic young gun, like coming straight out of university and wanting to enter the world of work, I was like, nah. I want to go and make some money. So I ended up on the trading floor of a large US investment bank. And in 2016, I actually left. And in 2016, once I left corporate, that's when I got involved in sales leadership in various startups, doing TV and radio over here in the UK, coaching, building a personal brand. And over time, what I realized is one thing. I would watch business presentation after business presentation. And I would sit there thinking, man, it's It's not just about what you say, it's about how you say it. So that's led me to my big mission now, which is focusing on helping leaders and entrepreneurs become confident speakers so they can actually do cool things like deliver high impact presentations, increase their sales and also, you know, develop a magnetic personal brand using video.
0: Now, this is perfect because uh, there's this there's this type of content that I've been noticing like crazy on LinkedIn. And I think that I want to speak to it, not in literal terms, but more in metaphorical terms. Yeah, it's, it's what I call the dancing business video. Okay. (laughs) So there's three people on LinkedIn right now that have the guts, the courage to actually dance on a LinkedIn video, because that is so unprofessional and unbusinesslike. Now, of course, I'm being facetious and I'm totally leaning into the fact that I think it's awesome. Yeah, But the idea here is that it takes a ton of confidence because that's not typically what's done, but it's that person that's connecting to the like inner child. And like for you, that's literally what you have and are like your inner child is literally dance, you know? And I I might say that you've been quote unquote dancing ever since. And now you're just dancing in a different way. And instead of using your body, you're using your voice and your personality. Uh, Nevertheless, How can we tap into our inner child to get that confidence and just be like, you know what? This is what we're like in real life. Totally, man. I'll I'll take you back to a story.
1: So uh, picture this, right? I'm sitting there, I don't know, uh, you know, teenager and the phone goes ring, 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 ring. I'm like, mom, yo, can you get that? Probably didn't say yo. I was like, mom, can I please, do you want to get that please? He's like, no, 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 rap. I'm doing something. I'm like, mom, come on, please, please. I'm playing PlayStation. She's like, fine, fine. She picks up the phone, she's like, oh, hello, darling, how are you? And I'm like, time out, you don't sound like that, mom. What is that? And it's funny because once she got off the phone, different voice. Mm. So the interesting thing is we all have this phone voice, and I like to think of it like the corporate mask. If you think about every business presentation you've ever been, it's, it, you know, 90% of them are like, hello, welcome, thank you so much for your time today. It's very, very mechanical, and often you can't get to really understand who the person is. But you understand what they do, mm. and the interesting thing is, is the first step is being able to have a conversation with the camera, having a conversation on stage in the workplace in a presentation is if you were talking to a friend. Think about the conversational language you and I would use. So, for example, before when we were talking, we were talking about Bradford, we were talking about where I grew up in Essex, we were talking about all the similarities. But the conversation is the same as how we're talking now. That. Element of being able to talk in a conversational tone will actually start to bring out the child char- inner child in you. You start to have fun because you stop seeing the audience as this mystical, you know, judgmental being. Mm-hmm. You see them as, ah, I wanna talk to them as if they're my best friend. They don't judge me. Okay. They, they don't make me feel nervous about who I am, what I do. They don't make me feel like I'm not enough. Actually, I can speak with no inhibitions and I can be me. Think about that individual. Think about we've all got that one person that we can just be us, the one that we've cried in front of, the one that when we got dumped when we were a team, we were like, man, look, look what happened. And you're sitting there and they're consoling you. That individual, think of them to so speak to their lens as if you were speaking to a friend. And slowly over time, once you start doing the reps, you'll start to fall into this place where you realize, actually, that's where true connection lies.
0: You know, this is this is so important on so many levels, because I've noticed people go in two different directions that, that yeah. struggle with public speaking. And I have to admit, I've been both of these people. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I, I have empathy yeah. for people that are struggling with this, because I've been through it. So the first thing is, when the camera goes on, when the mic gets turned on, when the podcast starts... It's larger than life. It's yeah. big, big smiles. It's moving your hands, just like the way that I am right now. And yeah. it's just it's it's not necessarily coming from that. Like this is how you would speak to a friend. This is like your true natural state. And then the other side is, I'm just gonna get monotone. I'm gonna I'm gonna not take any risks. You know, one of my childhood traumas was playing tennis with an uncle and trying to win this match against a bunch of uncles. And he just whispered to me, he said, just play like a grandma. That's what he whispered to me. And, and in fact, he kept whispering that to me, just play like a grandma. And all he was saying was just lob the ball over and let the other guy lose instead of winning. And it was a trauma for me because I actually believed him that that's the right thing to do in life. And people in public speaking do that. They, they don't take risks and they say, I'm going to just speak in monotone. And worst of all, oh my God, they've got a teleprompter. <laughs> now, Unless you're a politician, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I personally am not a fan of teleprompters. No judgment for people that use them. But I think where I'm going with this is that doing what you just said is the ideal situation, which is talking to your friend. That's yeah. such, good, such good advice. Thank you. I mean, dude, I can resonate with what you're
1: saying. I'll, I won't forget this. So I was – I think I must have been 15 years old, 50, 14, 15 years old, and I had just done this fundraiser for school, and a part of it is we did this, like, big dance show, the cricket team. That's what we have over here in the UK, cricket, right? We had this big cricket tour that we were going on, and we were raising money, and we were doing this dance show. So Anyway, to practice uh, for the big day or just after the big day, I can't remember – Five of us, you know, who actually were in the cricket team, did this dance, like thinking we were sync or Backstreet Boys, and we did this dance in front of our whole year group. And I've never felt such pin-drop silence. Like, <laughs> we were, like, clapping, trying to get everybody going. You know, like, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so awkward. Like, you, it's, it's like, it's that fear of if I bring it... Uh it's it's going to be is that uncool mm. but actually if you don't bring it and you don't bring your full self to the table you end up doing yourself a disservice mm. you really do end up doing yourself a disservice so what you just said really resonates that came to mind and i was like man that was an awkward moment <laughs>
0: that was yeah <laughs> well you know you know when when awkward moments like that actually don't happen a lot of yeah. the times is with hypnotists And um, stay with me on this. It's kind of an interesting dynamic, but there's there's this behavioral economics thing that happens where Mm -hmm. if a hypnotist is in their element and they know how to present, what happens is is that people have a suspension of disbelief. At least some percentage of the population will say, I will raise my hand because I want to be hypnotized. And what that person is saying is not, I want to be hypnotized, is I'm willing to be an actor on this stage. Now, I'm not saying that hypnosis doesn't exist. Maybe it does. But you got to admit, you got to believe to, that some of those people on that stage, they're just completely falling, you know, falling asleep or acting like dogs or something, that they're just doing it because they don't want to disappoint the audience. They don't want to disappoint this person that has now become their leader. And I always think about that when it comes to public speaking because I remember that a lot of people, they want to serve they want to be a promoter they want to be a supporter they want to be a cheerleader because they don't want you to feel embarrassed they don't want the audience to feel like this is weird and fake and for some reason a lot of the times this is where it all works this is why hypnotists always ask people before they get people to come on stage are you willing to be hypnotized are you open-minded and then that opt-in is what creates and develops this whole relationship you know so my question for you is: You know, you've you you've trained in acting. You know, you've been an actor. What? How much of public speaking is natural acting, method acting, where yeah. the method is us? We're method acting our best self. Man,
1: right, it's interesting when you say trained in acting. Here's to give you a thirty second spill. I fell into acting because my best friend's father was a playwright, and he's like Rav you know, you did this dance show with us. Why don't you come and do this? I was like, man, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not into it. Started doing it, started having fun. And the next play came, the next came play, the next play came. I started to get bigger roles, meteor roles. So I actually, I'd never done, I was not formally trained. It was one of the things I stumbled into Mm. and learned as I went along. Now, what I would say is what it taught me was how to deal in high stakes, Pressurized scenario in a calm, confident, I suppose, demeanor, which really allows you to deliver a message in an articulate and concise way. So think about it you're with a room full of investors, you need to pitch your business idea. Suddenly, you get hit with this curveball question How do you handle it if you've never been in a pressure cooker environment? What about on a sales call? You get flown this objection that you've never handled and suddenly you're tongue tied. You don't know how to handle yourself in this scenario. So I think the thing that it taught me, I would say the most is improvisation and how to handle yourself and hold your frame when under high stakes scenarios.
0: Mm. Improv. Mm. Doing the reps. Yeah. How do you practice? improv i had the fortunate experience of doing comedy improv comedy one time in my life it was not very funny it was not very funny but i i went through the discipline of doing it because yeah i someone had told me that once if you really want to figure out you know public speaking go do improv because then you're on the spot and that's two minutes which feels like two hours yeah. Yeah, how do yeah. we get better at it how do we get better at improv it's funny so
1: I was on a call the other day with a gentleman who was thinking about joining my boot camp and he asked the exact same question. He said, listen, the number one thing I struggle with is improvisation under pressure. Here's what you can do. And when I talk about doing the reps, people think they need to spend thousands of pounds or go do this big course, whatever it might be. And they forget to start with the little things to begin with. And it all starts with daily Get your partner or somebody, a friend, whoever you're living with right now, every day at the same time, they fling a topic at you. You have to tell a story about that topic in less than 60 seconds. You don't get a second take. You don't get a third take. You get one take. People say they don't have time, but I can guarantee you they have 90 seconds, 30 seconds for their friend or partner to throw any topic at them. And then they have to on the spot think of a 60 second story. And with that, over time, first time, you're going to be horrendous. Second, third, thirtieth, that will normalize that scenario. And that's the idea, normalizing those scenarios. Because we weren't brought up with like Kim Kardashian, like, hey, what's going on? We weren't brought up. We didn't come out uh, of the womb and suddenly have that way. Right? So it's, it's inevitably different. And I think getting the reps in and doing that daily work consistently can really help people.
0: Hmm. so you're you're telling us basically so do you have you done this have you exercised this i mean i guess as an actor you kind of have to right well i'll tell you what i used to do with my sales team
1: so we used to, you know every single morning in a morning scrum i would say okay go grab loads of items okay in the room and to get the energy going because sometimes you walk in you're like "Uh," you know you know what it's like right immediately create a pattern interruption so i would we would get we would all have to bring an item anything okay and someone would say Johnny, you know, you've got, to, you've got to tell us a story about that curtain. Okay, boom. 30 seconds to think of the story, 30 seconds to tell the story, next person goes. And what was funny was failure became fun, and also we were all going. Like, I wasn't sitting on a pedestal going, ah, oh, ha-ha, look at you. I was getting involved as well. And it was one of those things that when you allow like, for failure, you allow for fumbling the word, you allow for owning it, the game changes. Because we realise it's progress over perfection versus we want this beautiful thirty-second scripted piece which is gonna hit the nail on the head and everybody. This <laughs> it is
0: it's not like man. It's not like. <laughs> yeah, man. That that is so true. So, how would you say that you can apply some of this methodology to sales?
1: Yeah. So. What I would say is, when I say methodology, are we talking about improvisation or just speaking and everything in general?
0: Everything in general. Everything that we've been talking about. I would say, for example, one of the most
1: important things would be, let's say you're at a networking event. Let's let's start with something super simple. You're at a networking event. You go over, you know, pre-COVID days. And you go over to the drinks table. Somebody comes over and they're like, oh, hey, how are you, man? I I see your name's Chris. Chris, tell me what you do. And Chris is like, oh, I do And he's like, oh, Johnny, what do you do? And you're like, okay, so, I mean, I've just joined this company and it's pretty cool. Like, we're, I mean, it's an MVP stage and basically we're, we're helping biotech companies do this thing and they're like doing this. We're basically taking them to the next level. Do you see what I mean, Chris? And Chris is like, Yeah, let me go get a drink. Like it's (laughs) awkward, it's long, and there's no connection. So I think one of the things to really think about and practice is super basic, but think about your LinkedIn headline, the I help statement. So really, really simply, if you're able to effectively and concisely communicate who you serve, the tangible outcome you provide, you've got your value creation statement that you've delivered, in 10 seconds or less. Somebody who tells me that, I'm like, well, okay, this dude is, a pro- or dude is a professional and they really take their work seriously versus the individual that goes on for five minutes and you're like, is there any emotional intelligence here? We've all been there, we've all done it as well, right? And we walk away and we're like, why did I just do that? Mm. So I think being able to really start sharing what you do, who you serve and the tangible outcome you provide in a conversational tone is one super super important is that does that resonate in any way
0: it does it does and it is i think the hardest thing to do yeah to say to express yourself in one sentence oh my gosh i mean i could write i could write a page no problem i'll just yeah. keep going i'll just keep typing yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah. to have one sentence yeah. to just get to the core to the essence of what i'm trying to say how do you how do you do that how do you get to that that like transcendence of communication i mean the best they don't they call it an elevator pitch for a reason when right. it's an elevator pitch it's going from the the lobby to the first floor it's not on the willy wonka elevator where you're yeah. going like 100 hundred <laughs> thousand up into space you've yeah. got 30 seconds which means it's a sentence or three right so so guide us a little bit to to get that like brevity. Like even the way that I just said what I said was so many was so overly verbose. Help me. <laughs> so
1: if you think about it, imagine at school, you're told to write a 5,000-word essay or dissertation. Mm-hmm. You can't do the 30-second pitch until you've done the 5,000-word dissertation. Yes. So the interesting thing is, let, let's take it to something we can all resonate with. Microsoft PowerPoint You go into Microsoft PowerPoint, how many of us start with the headline, going to the slide, and then the speaker notes? When actually, we could start with this first, then go to the speaker notes, then go to the body, then go to the headline. So the bulk of it actually comes from either writing on a piece of paper or your speaker notes, then you condense it into three to four points maximum on the slide, and then you have to come up with a hook. But you can't start with the hook. In in a way, you can't start with the elevator pitch because the confidence level and the energy that you would give off, you would feel unconfident about it. And people can pick up on that energy, right? When you're speaking to people, if somebody's not really confident about what they do and who they serve, so you can tell. You can really tell. So what I would start thinking about is, in a no-pressure scenario, thinking about your... Ideal client. Okay. Think about the audience first and ask yourself three questions. Who is my ideal client? What is their profile? Where do they shop? What's their income level? Where do they live? What do they hang out? What do they do on a Sunday? Ask yourself that question. Number two would be if they are your ideal client, what is the big thing that keeps them up at night? What are the problems that they're suffering with? And then number three, what is your methodology Uh, Actually, let's go for four. Number three, what is your methodology to actually take them from A to Z? And what do they want? What do they want to achieve by the end of the presentation? And in this scenario, that interaction with you. So if you're pitching to a group of investors and you've got 30 seconds, what do they want? Because we often think from a place of ego unintentionally, Okay, I've got to look confident. How do I sound? Okay, this has got to be said so articulately. But actually, It's all about your audience and building a real connection. That starts thinking about what they want, not how you're going to sound, look, and feel. That stuff's important. But we need to topple that with the audience, thinking about them. So it really starts with doing the dissertation, asking those questions, and then being able to formulate it in a very specific one or two-sentence way, which gives people the carrot, not the whole carrot cake, just the carrot, so that they say, hey, man, can you give me a fork? Because I want the rest of that cake. Mm. And I think that's what we forget. We want to give them everything up front. We want to give them everything up front because we want to give and we want to teach. But as people, we can only take on so much in any one sitting. To so give them the carrot instead of the carrot cake, do the dissertation to then be able to do an effective value creation statement.
0: Mm. Well, I think one of, my, one, of my, one of my takeaways here is that I think what happens a lot with public speaking and just general yeah. sort of communication is that we we talk a lot. We say a lot of words. And I think that what happens when we're saying a lot of words is that we're actually shielding ourselves from from thinking because we're just letting the mind, the survival instinct just spew out words. And oftentimes these are just whatever that comes to top of mind. I mean, there's <laughs> today's today's November 5, you know, US elections like Twitter is exploding with words and much of which is absolutely nonsensical. And, uh, you know, I think where I'm going with this is that how do we avoid overcompensating with overcommunication and just actually taking the time to understand what it is truly that we want to say and how to say it in a brief way, i.e. the carrot
1: breath. Breath management. So, for example, one of the things that we forget to do is a diaphragmatic breathing breathing from here but if we're in a scenario where our amygdala is firing fight or flight it's all up here it's all up here the moment we actually allow ourselves to take a breath because i don't know about you let's take something i'm extremely bad at or mediocre cooking (laughs) right when i'm cooking man i'm not breathing i'm like well okay well, where's the recipe? Like, I'm just, ah, oh, ah, oh, ah, oh, ah. Oh. And I'm, I'm very rarely breathing shallow breaths, right? And we breathe breathing through the mouth. And what happens is when we breathe breathing through the nose, the tiny little filters actually moisten that air. It doesn't feel dry. When you're breathing through your mouth, try it now. Feels dry, man. And it feels more moist. It just naturally, babies do that, okay? They breathe through their nose. So, One of the things that I would think about immediately is when faced in those scenarios is remember to breathe. I know it sounds so, so simple, but breath is one of the things that I don't think we talk about enough. And it's a challenge for all of us. You know, and it's a it's an important thing to think about because it can really be the make or break between you sounding like a leader and being able to articulate your message because you're breathing and it allows you to be that little bit more present. And you also realize that message gets sent to the brain that, hold on, there's no rhino chasing you. This is not this is not a scary situation, okay? Oh, there we go, the profile. Um, this is not a scary situation, okay? This is something normal. And if you're breathing, one, two, three, four, out, two, three, four, the brain's like, out. Oh, this is chill. This is a chill scenario. So that's one thing I would think about is breath. I think we forget to breathe, man. We all do. When we're in pressurised uh, scenarios, forget to breathe.
0: I, man, I totally agree with you. I think that's so important. You know, uh, one yeah. of the things that I do quite often is that not only do I take a breath, but I count backwards because it just resets right. my mind. I'll just count backwards yeah. from five, and then it just takes me to an, a, a completely different place in my mind. You yeah. know, where I'm actually using my limbic system and I'm thinking like strategically. You know, not like surviving. You know, and and that's helped me. That's helped me a lot, man. So I, I think that you know, people used to laugh at breathing and meditation and mental health when it comes to business. Um, but in fact, these are the most important things. And um, I'm so, so glad you're an evangelist for that. Dude, a hundred percent.
1: Like I'm big on meditation before speaking. i like, finding a pre-presentation routine that works for you is super important. There's a really cool quote, which you'll like, Mark Twain said it. He said, look, there's two types of speakers in this world, the nervous and the liars, meaning everyone gets nervous. The mm-hmm. problem is is we have a feeling that there's this, you know, person over here we put on a pedestal and we're like, they never get nervous. They never have imposter syndrome. They, they never feel X, Y, Z. And the fact is everyone does, man. It's about whether you use those nerves to, you know, convert it into crippling anxiety or realistically confidence.
0: Mm. Well, that I, mean, I think that's the unlock right there, yeah. It's everyone has it, man. Like we all get nervous.
1: It's, like we, I'd be lying if I said I didn't. I'd be lying. I mean, I, I don't believe people who say they don't get nervous. It means they care. It's good. I want yes. the nerves. Right. It's exciting, man. It's excitement. Right. It's just a reframe.
0: Love that, man. So, where can people learn more about you? You mentioned that you have a boot, boot camp program. Um, yeah. You've got a great company that's on the rise. Um, Social handles, website
1: yeah man so my LinkedIn is uh, as you probably know we're on LinkedIn now so my LinkedIn is where I hang out uh, the most so you can catch me there Ravi Rajani and yeah like you said the number one thing I'm focusing on right now is my powerhouse speaker bootcamp helping leaders and entrepreneurs become confident speakers so yeah take a look at my profile and yeah let's connect send me a DM and I'd love to have a chat just generally I'm up for connecting with people on a consistent basis I think this year more than ever. It's been one of the things that has helped me so much. Zoom calls, coffees with people. I think it's, it's super important in the times that we're in now. So yeah, uh, look me up and let's have a chat.
0: Amazing, man. Well, listen, Robbie, thank you so much for right. your time. I really appreciate it. Stick appreciate. around. I'll, I'll share some notes with you. All right, man.